everybody. Welcome to Dancing in Your Head, the show that explores the outer reaches of music. I'm your host, Dan, and guest today is Dylan Herkes, or Fats, or Mysterious Tape Man. Don't know, what do I call you, Dylan? <laughs> Kia ora. Uh, good question, and thanks for revealing my greatest secrets. Um, <laughs> nice to be on the show. Cheers. <laughs> what is your... Um, do you, do you have a what's your like given names? Um, oh, uh, that's an okay. First question: um, Dylan Thomas Harakas, born nineteen seventy nine, Pahiatua. Oh, <laughs> Harakas. Sorry, I mispronounced yeah. that. That's no, all right. It's yeah, one of those things that sort of you know moves and transliterates throughout all things. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right anymore. <laughs> Is that a Greek name or what? Nah, it's my grandfather's who's Dutch. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, but I got a book recently about somebody who had done a whole bunch of family history from another name, and it's um, one of several that are supposed to be Scottish or something like that. I, I don't know. All right. Yeah. I was never sure if that was another of your stage names. Might as well be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, welcome on the show. And uh, for those that don't know, Dylan has long history in music in the lower North Island, um, Palmerston North and Manganui and Wellington and is known for running the Stink Mad Kinetic label which is a still going label yeah, for what, how going. many, 20? Coming up 25 years now Whoa. so yeah, yeah. started awesome. pretty young so yeah. not that old. But. Well I um, actually first met you Dylan, uh, I was pretty young. And um, I was doing a little um, part-time office job at a place called Sounds. Yeah, I remember. And you'd come in and use the photocopy machine. Yes. And photocopy, like, tape yes. labels. Yes, I remember, yeah. And I I came across those the other day, and it made me remember coming in to see you guys there, because I think you had a deal on photocopying. <laughs> I must have been cheap photocopying. I don't know. Yeah. I was only there briefly, and that was about the most interesting thing that happened there, was <laughs> you'd wander in there. Oh, I was yeah. such a tight ass. Like, uh, all of the pages have, like, all sorts of things jammed on the page, so I don't have to print, you know, like, to, I just didn't have much money. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, yeah, um, Stink Magnetic DIY tape yep. and record label and... All uh, sorts of things, yeah. yeah. And um, as well as your uh, music uh, projects, which we'll get into today, some of those, hopefully. Cool, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, well, let's kick off with some music, man. What did you yeah. have in store? Uh, so this is our first record, you know, that turns on a record player, Um that was Stink Magnetic, and it came out in about 99, and it's a, me and a friend of mine, and the reason I chose it was because we um, we recorded this together at about the time when Stink Magnetic started, and um, we were both uh, just really good friends, both into art and poetry and music and all sorts of terrible, fun things, um, and this is kind of um, sort of three or four bands into... Um, a bit of a lifelong interest in playing and writing my own music, um, but it, it kind of says a lot about uh, what we were, what we were thinking at the time. <laughs> so where were you when this when you made this? Oh, this is Palmerston North. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I come from Pahiatua, just over the hill. But yeah, when I was about um, seventeen or so, I moved over to Palmerston North, which had a really thriving. Um, art music scene. Really, it was a whole bunch of really great. Um, experimental bands from 
uh, musicians and artists from all over the country had come and were coming through Palmerston North, and there was just a very vibrant university music art scene at the time. Yeah, kind of caught the tail end of it. Yeah, yeah, because I grew up in Lithuania, but I went up to Palmy. Oh, right. Kind of uh, to play basketball on a oh, Friday night. <laughs> And we're tuning into the radio there. And also um, around that time, there was pretty on the inside. That was earlier, yeah. like maybe mid-90s. Yeah, um, that was so cool. It, it was great. And there was all it. those weird yellow bike yes. records bands that were quite yeah. a little bit there, a bit scary or something, some yes. of those bands. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was quite a like a big industrial uh, <laughs> music scene all over New Zealand around the mid-90s, uh, lots from Christchurch and from Palmerston North, but yeah, like really dirgy, very very drug-driven, um, mm. so yeah, kind of scary in that aspect, and um, but also really experimental and interesting. And that yellow bike uh, with the Foxton AV Museum was, he was using the lathe out there and um, cutting oh. from the, um, yeah, so all of those that you find on yellow bike are usually um, uh, uh, one-off cuts from um, their lathe cuts here. Yeah, which is, um, so what we're going to play, a few of your records today, so we're playing them, they're all 10 inches? Uh, these are all, seven, uh, well, actually, this first one's an 8-inch. 8-inch. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we thought that was really funny. <laughs> for you, uh, 1-inch larger. <laughs> and um, at least some of them are lathe cuts from Peter King down in Geraldine. Yeah, and, yeah, this um, one is. So that's like, uh, you know, like in terms of like release formats, that's kind of the predecessor of a cdr or something you could do like yeah. really really small runs of um kind of cheap ish exactly um, yeah records yeah 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 i was supposed to put it into context in about in the mid to late 90s when you were playing in a band you would probably put a cassette out and or a, a cdr um those were the sort of the most common formats at the time and there were various sizes of cdrs remember those tiny little yeah, ones yeah, yeah. <laughs> and lots of bands would be just like burning them at home on their own um, computers um so it was unusual as well to be able to put out a vinyl um, there was a bit of a vinyl renaissance happening then from record companies across on the world but in New Zealand, we didn't have any presses operating at the time. It was just Peter King. Yeah, I think the closest next was in Melbourne, maybe with Corduroy Records or something like that Yeah, at the time. Cool. Oh, let's go. So um, just remind me, what's the first track? Um, this one's called Shipmen of Mars by Shit All to Hell. Landings, <laughs> exploding heads, creepy crawlies, and a date for the formal. This is classic Sankey. Ship it from Mars! Oh, my God. 
fantastic drum loop at the end of that one. Unintentional. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And so you're saying you'd like sit on the back porch of your squat squatted house in Palmy. Yeah. And sort of hit go on the organ. Yeah. Like one of those big old Yeah, just a big Hammond. Yeah. yeah. Big old Hammond. We had this great house. It was a big old colonial flat that um the landlord was very old and it was his family home. It's one of the old older sort of you know when you get into a town and there's like a farmhouse house yeah it's like it was one of those and he just didn't want to tear it down so it was it was a piece of crap it didn't have a bathroom actually <laughs> but we would sit there on the porch and um you know just have fun uh playing music to road workers and people work, walking to work or walking back from university or whatever just for the hell of it uh, would this would you guys have played any gigs in this yes yeah we played a whole bunch um but we uh, may have only been together for about two, three years, I think, before we then um, made another band called Voodoo Savage and the Savages out of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, let's roll on to the next seven inch in your pile. Yep. Dallas Pro Drag All Stars. Yeah. Yeah, cool. This is my, me and my buddy um, Aiden from Pahia Tour. Um, and we had a couple of bands in Pahia Tour before we moved to Palmerston North. And this was another quite experimental in the same vein where we used a drum machine. Um, and our angle for the band was supposed to be, as we were talking before about industrial bands in Palmerston North, ours was, we were trying to lighten it up a little. So this is uh, <laughs> the, we were calling it Hawaiian Industrial. <laughs> and um, we wanted to sort of appear like we were a, maybe a touring drag racing act instead of an actual band because the drag races i actually went to the palmy drag races a few times yeah yeah, yeah. it's quite a big scene eh? well it was then yeah dummy yeah palmy, palmy loves its uh <laughs> cars and stuff were you actually into cars or this is a oh we were but um we weren't like car guys were into cars you know yeah. we were probably more like you know uh, more influenced by design than art <laughs> than like um true yeah. true true until we actually we were only like sort of 18 and, yeah. and then we we slowly started getting aiden actually got a really cool um ford and then ended up getting a valiant um and we did end up getting interested in cars but probably through the band <laughs> <laughs> cool oh well let's hear let's have a listen so this is um, Dallas Pro Drag All Stars, and we're, this is Breakdown. Yeah, Breakdown on State Highway 2. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Okay, here we go. Yeah. 
State Highway 2. Breakdown. Breakdown on State Highway 2. That's the one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so... Yeah, Which one's State Highway 2? That goes over the... That's the wired up. Yeah, yeah, the Pahe Tour. The that's the roots side. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were just talking in that, uh, during that. Um, Beck Coogan's name came up, and it's like uh, she's another yeah. um, in that realm of towns yes. in Lower North Island. There's a yes. whole bunch of like interesting people of that. Era, eh? Absolutely, yeah. 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 And that's kind of why I ended up doing the record label because there were heaps of bands around, heaps of friends doing stuff, yeah. really interesting stuff that would just disappear again. Um, and uh, a guy I was living with had a little cassette label and and he put a tape out for our band in Pahia Tour and I saw how easy it was and thought, uh, well, that's a really good idea for my friends. So I started, yeah, putting bits and pieces out of all kinds of friends, yeah. But how would song. you record? Uh, a lot of four tracks at the time, four track yeah. cassette recorders. Um, at the stomach in Palmerston North, they had a eight track reel to reel quarter inch, which was pretty flash. Yeah. And then they went to like ADAT, which was interesting because um, we really didn't have any kind of professional recording knowledge or experience at all. And when we had a look and compared different technologies, it was really, that's where I became quite a lot more interested in the analog stuff because when we did do digital recordings, they sounded like shit. I mean, when you try and like, we were interested in really dirty stuff like making things sound filthy and trashy and if you try and do that on something digital you know that doesn't the peaks don't soak up as mm. as beautifully as when you've got some tape or something like that so it was markedly different um and it and we went on this crusade after was like no only tape yeah. can only be on the tape <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool yeah. and the, i mean i mean the um the label name stick magnetic kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the logo, which is like a cassette, is it? It's Am a it's a reel to reel. That, yeah, that's a reel to reel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I was also took a like a little electronics course after high school, and um, which I was pretty average at. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that really inspired me there was I sat next to this huge stack of old Popular Mechanics and Popular Science magazines, and it was just like holy shit. And, of course, at that time as well, there were a lot of the art that went with the bands around that time. It was a lot of collage and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I just got given boxes of these, like, popular mechanics and popular science and just started designing stuff at that time for album covers and posters and stuff like that for shows as well. So Totally. Because yeah. you say it's, like, releasing stuff is easy, but there's a hell of a lot of work yeah. goes into it, not just the oh, music, yeah. but the, exactly. every, the designing and the photocopying and yeah. the printing. and yeah. I was really drawn to the whole world of that, actually, and found it, like, later on, found that that was, like, a really solid way of having a creative um, discipline or just being a creative person or being an artist. It's like, actually, having having a band was, like, a really great format for that, for all of those reasons. Yeah, because you need to do it all, eh? Yeah. yeah. Well, you can do it all. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, the mysterious tape man. Yeah, so... Shows the, up on our pile. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this is when, um, after I'd moved to Wellington and a good friend, Andrew Tolly, was, who was running um, Cato Records, mm. um, he was nice enough to offer to put a 7-inch out for me. Um, 
and this was when I had had a few years of playing in other bands as well and just wanted to do my own thing. Oh, I had a lot of songs that I'd written on the four track that I didn't really know what to do with and so came up with this idea of being able to do a one-man band where I could play the backing tracks of things that I'd recorded and then just play the guitar live. And, um, cool. Yeah. Because I remember uh, in Wellington, must have been at that time, you were going pretty heavy on the postering around town because I remember seeing yeah. Mysterious Tape Man posters everywhere. I was like, who is this Tape Man? <laughs> yeah. Like, who is this Mysterious Tape Man, you know? Yeah. And then I sort of like put two and two together because, I, I mean, we didn't kind of know each other, but I just recognised you from coming into that photocopy place yeah. and stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It was it. a bit of a, yeah, I kind of did it on purpose to be kind of nondescript because um, Wellington's quite clicky as well. Mm. And I did really notice that about the scene and, and you know, like people were, there were sort of, you know, mild local music celebrities and, um, of course, like some of the local music in Wellington became very big and popular and everything like that. Like at that time in the 2000s, I think, like Black Seeds and, you know, like dub reggae was freaking everywhere and, yeah. you know, people were pretty swish about um, their own celebrity, <laughs> um, which is cool. But um, I just was do wanted to do something else, you know, and was like kind of intrigued by people not actually knowing and um, religiously kind of kept that to myself for quite a while. You know, like was, I'm not even sure how convincing it was, but <laughs> for a while it was good fun to, to, um, to try out. Yeah. Well, it worked because I, yeah, you know, it was mysterious for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's have a listen to Mysterious Tape Man, which um, this is Kaikoura UFO, yeah, seven inch. Yeah, so this yeah. is the song I wrote about the Kaikoura UFO incident in '79, which is my year as well. So, oh, sweet. <laughs> I was like, maybe something happened at that time, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, cool. that's another story, actually. I've got a really good story because I. Okay, so I'll tell you about it. Um, the, I met the I met the radar operator that night that was working that night of the Kokoro UFO just by accident. Like he was um, a family friend, and I was borrowing a car from him for years, and we suddenly put two and two together that we were working in the same building out by the airport, and um, he. And I knew he was an aircraft engineer and a radar operator. And I asked him if he had been um, on that night of the Kaikoura UFO incident, and he was. Oh. He was watching the radar all night. And um, it was really cool to hear that first hand from him about that incident, um, knowing he was quite a, you know, he's an English gentleman, an engineer, you know. Yeah. Um, um, you know, the kind of opinion that you're supposed to trust. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was pretty convincing in his, um, in his, uh, yeah, what, what, what is it, his observations. And, and, and he's a very sort of sober man, like, um, and so it was cool. It was, it was what really did he cool have to, to say? Man. What was his? Um, he, he was just like, this thing was, uh, more dense than, um, an object of that size and speed and that manoeuvrability should have been operating. Um, this happened, it's well documented, it's something like 10 hours of observation of this object off the coast um, and pilots were going, flying back and forth, up and down. And actually, that was going long enough that um, a journalist from Australia flew to New Zealand that night and filmed it. Um, well. So it was happening for quite a while and there's a lot of, a lot of info out there. Um, and it was just after that that um, the government set up the, the UFO 
investigation unit. (laughs) 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 But yeah, all that stuff just, yeah, fascinates me. I'm, yeah, really, yeah, big science fiction fan, so. Cool. Science fact. filthy well they're very old now which is like yeah can't believe it's happened all, all gone so fast yeah when was that 2000 and uh, about something? 2004 something like that yeah, yeah I've so. still got like to-do lists in my back pocket from <laughs> 2004 yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yep cool so um yeah and like uh I guess I mean we've got the um, chandeliers, yeah, yeah, sort of loaded up. Which is is that now? I mean, it's sort of similar realm. Um, it's surf, instrumental yeah. surf, but we we tried to have no guitar, oh. so we had the surf band before called the Side Effects, which was like a big five piece psychedelic surf band thing that went for about 
a year and a half or so. Yeah. Um, and we went and played all these amazing shows like The Gathering, Food Tent, <laughs> <laughs> and Excellent. Black Ball Hilton. <laughs> um, and then a couple of the guys moved and did other things. So uh, the rhythm section st- stuck together and we made the chandeliers and, yeah. Were you playing bass in this? Yes, yeah, oh, I played yeah. bass in this one, yeah. Real fuzzy bass. Yeah. And Nigel Patterson, who... Yeah. I'm trying to think if Nigel's been on this show. I think he has. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who lives in Pukarua Bay. Yep. Just up the yeah. road. And, yeah. Um, yeah, on keys. I yes, imagine. he's yeah. on organ. Um, such a wicked player, as you'll hear, and he goes on to play in all sorts of other bands as well. Um, and Scott uh, Mercer playing drums. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Trev Lack, right? Poor old bugger. He probably, that's probably the reason why he play, doesn't play drums anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but he went pretty hard with these bands. Yeah. He had a lovely feel. I remember um, the Manta Rays was a kind of a band, I guess, mm. in Nigel's Wills that carried on from this. And that yeah. was me and Nigel. And it started off with um, Scott on the drums. Oh, it's really? It's the only time I played with him. Oh, yeah, wow. For six months or so. Oh, far out. Yeah. He was great. Really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Quite quiet drummer or something yeah or at least yeah. in that group it was it wasn't like smashing it out you know no no yeah. he's really controlled very uh, a gentleman of the <laughs> drums absolutely cool well, let's hit go and um see where we get to with this is the chandeliers and this is diamondo yeah diamondo yeah cool
chandeliers with Diamondo. So um, we got Dylan as our guest, um, the stink magnetic boss, <laughs> and um, we've been playing a bunch of um, a bunch of stink magnetic releases, which Dylan has been on. Which is only, I mean, how many releases have you as stink magnetic? Uh, it's up in its mid sixties. I haven't quite got the number because the catalogue's sort of all over the place and sometimes we listed merch as catalogue releases as well. Like a a band would release a figurine or a VHS <laughs> or, you know, just something, you know, unlimited. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, so there's some random um I tried at my best to kind of <laughs> keep up with the cataloguing, but every now and then you just you're making stuff faster that you know you'd be putting things out or going on tour and bits and pieces would fly out. So, but it's a, it's around sixty something. Wow, epic! And is it that, um, that includes some um, international releases and stuff as well, right? It does. Um, yeah, 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 a couple. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of um, our Swiss mate. What's his name? Yeah, um, Delaney. Oh, Delaney, but also Delaney's friend. Oh, Voodoo, Voodoo, um, Voodoo Rhythm. Voodoo Rhythm, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Voodoo Rhythm put it, uh, re-released one of our compilations. Yeah. 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 Um, and, of the, course, Delaney, who yeah, was yeah. living in Switzerland. Is yeah. that how that connection happened? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. that's correct, yeah. yeah. And also my friend um, Anto in Australia um, made for Chickens by Robots. He was just a random dude that, like, emailed me one day and we went on tour and became really good friends and then kept touring. Cool. Yeah. And where would you guys play... Is that touring in Australia or over here? You know? uh, yep, Australia. Um, and then we went to Europe as well, through a bunch of countries as well. Yeah. Cool. And what sort of gigs would you play? Uh, all kinds of stuff, really. We played uh, festivals, little bars, random crazy crap. Just, you know, there might be one person there or yeah. a whole bunch. Um, yeah. Was there, And was there any um, where in particular that sort of struck a chord? Oh man, like my worst show was in the south of Germany. Oh, yeah. I will never forget that because it was slightly traumatic. But um, I'd just been drinking way too much, you know, like I was only about 24 or something like that. So, and then, you know, first time over in Europe and uh, sort of a week into uh, a European tour and driving around Germany with your best buddies and uh, just had, you know, um, jet lag and uh, was just drinking it off so um i was never like a violent horrible drunk or anything like that but i was an obnoxious <laughs> and annoying drunk uh and that particular show was not very cool at all and i felt really sorry for the sound engineer that night um i spent the rest of the night uh crying in the van <laughs> Both through, from humiliation but um never did that again <laughs> what did you do oh just Is just was, too... i just was just sloppy and obnoxious and i i couldn't hear anything because i had my head wrapped up in vhs tape and we we're in a cellar underneath a bar and ravensburg and everyone was smoking so not only is it hard to breathe with stuff wrapped around your face but in a in summer in a cellar full of cigarettes and um just too drunk to hear basically so yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think at one point i went over to the desk or something and just started like doing it myself which, oh no yeah was yeah clearly not a very cool thing to do yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh well at least you uh um it, you know you feel the remorse <laughs> 
<laughs> I said sorry. And uh, all of the guys I was on tour with were just like, loser. Uh, but I redeemed myself and carried on. We had some really, really incredible shows like um, in Berlin, um, playing on tabletops of people just sitting, eating their meals and doing guitar solos with their tomato sauce bottles and being lifted up in Guspini and Sardinia on the backs of all these Italians through the olive grove, you know, while playing guitar. Um, yeah. Awesome. Plenty of good moments. Yeah, yeah. 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 No doubt. And what about in New Zealand? Um, so you, I mean, you would have played just the classic sort of yeah. like little spots all around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we started off, we didn't really tour at all. Bands and, you know, when we had bands in Pahia Tour and Palmerston North, there wasn't really in many places to play. Mm. Um, but then we gradually, you know, started going to Wellington and then Whanganui and then it would be up to the Hawke's Bay and then Auckland and Christchurch and Dunedin and all sorts of, you know, and then just anywhere that would have us pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, just taking the time, we got 20 minutes. So that's about right. Let's play oh. the next track. Yeah, um, cool. This is from the songs of the Tape Man. Yes. Yeah. Which looks like Tape Man's expanded into a three-piece. Yeah, yeah. At that time, I was sort of like had a band and then was doing a different iteration in solo as well. And on this record, has some stuff recorded all over the different towns and things. And it was an Australian guy. This is the first time someone from overseas wanted to put something out. So this is a, a young guy from Melbourne who um, offered to put a seven-inch out for me. Cool. This is Get Gone Records. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. And this one we're going to listen to is Shadow of the Midnight Rambler. Yes, very mysterious.
there's a little um, a kind of tape man planet of the tapes. Yeah, planet back of the to tapes. back. Um, yeah. So that, that was a three piece from Christchurch during the Christchurch earthquakes. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's um, you're playing on this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, playing guitar there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and then Matt Scobie's playing drums and Aaron's playing bass. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, There's definitely was... like a uh, a um, consistency to your releases, you know. Why? Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I hope it's not consistently crap. <laughs> no, no. And even um, the kind of um, crunchiness of the recording right, sound, yeah. you know. And um, Have yeah. you done much recording of other people's music? Have people yes. asked you to? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a few releases on Stink Magnetic that I've recorded as well. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, um, well, it, by this point, I, I got the uh, quarter-inch reel-to-reel. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's it's a you know slightly more fidelity than your average four track cassette. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that, did you would you did you say four track reel to reel? Yes. All oh, right. So yeah, you could um, you could would you bounce down? Would you record some parts and then no. bounce it, or you just do it live? And no, no. Just... I really liked the restriction actually of less. Yeah, yeah, and the challenge of I got really good at one mic drumming. Yeah. So that's that's one mic drumming there, and most of the most of that those drums that you heard pretty much are all with one microphone. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to um, twelve <laughs> microphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which just gets more troublesome the more mics you yeah. try and put in there. Yeah, I like the problem solving <laughs> and then finding like the also like the character. Like I, I like that character. I mean, like if you didn't like lo-fi cruddy sounds, you probably wouldn't enjoy one mic drumming, but. It's a a nice challenge. And um, would you record, would it be like in someone's room, everyone in a room, that kind of situation, or like in an actual studio? Oh, no, not really ever in a studio because that would cost money. (laughs) Um, Just like just in a room or a couple of rooms and um, got good at like putting, you know, put an amp behind the couch or um, tuck in the wardrobe or something like that. And then all stand in the same spot and still play together. Very rarely tracking, um, but on my solo stuff, of course, I have to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't play live with with myself. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> um, we're closest to the end of our show, but um, and maybe we'll go out with um, Lightning Tape Wolf or yeah. Tape Wolf. Is the album called Lightning? By Tape Wolf, right? uh, no, no, he yes, was it is. Lightning Tape Wolf. Oh, right, yeah. it is Lightning Tape Wolf. Yeah. Um, maybe, but before, I mean, um, one of the things that um, uh, when we, one of the, our interactions was when you were running the Stink Magnetic headquarters in Wanganui. Yeah. Um, when was that? It must have been 10 years ago now or something. Yeah, around 2010s, yeah. Which is uh, one of the great venues of its time. And it's still sort of going with... Um, um, what did it change its name to? Um, Space Monster. Space Monster. Yeah, they very occasionally have um, gigs up there. But yeah. yeah, how did yeah, how did that come about? Uh, that came about moving back to New Zealand from Australia and um, going on tour. And I, a friend of mine, Al Cameron, who played in the High Tone Destroyers in Christchurch, um, and was living in Auckland at the time. He would travel back and forth and. He, um, we, we talked about moving to Wanganui together for a number of years for a few reasons. Property, um, uh, just 
the isolation, the um, the art school there, and a number of other factors that made Wanganui pretty attractive. And he ended up moving there uh, before me and um, started up the Eye of Night, his, a venue in his living room, which mm. was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and so I came back to New Zealand and played there and then asked if I could stay with him for a while and we hung out for a few months and then... Um, I found a place to live there and then I found a studio myself to record and um, then eventually complement with another venue and as we later found out or as a few of us knew our hair was deteriorating in health and, and unfortunately died um, and uh, and we sort of carried on a bit of a legacy that he'd started there with um, his flatmate Claire yeah yeah Great. Um, yeah, I, I played one show over the night. It was awesome. It's one of yeah. the great shows I remember actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty country. Yeah, yeah, pretty a special place. You know, totally. it only fit like twenty <clears throat> to maybe you could squeeze fifty people in there. Yeah, but I've seen like ten piece bands playing there and crazy mm. crap like that. And and Al had kind of fitted the lounge out with all of the. You know, it was actually a venue. Um, yeah, it was with lights and yeah, but it was PA. their house. Yeah, and you'd hang out in the kitchen and step out on the roof through the window, and it was really lovely. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> thanks for uh, coming on, Dylan. I think we've kind of better um, wrap it up and we'll go out on uh, Lightning Tape Wolf. Not exactly sure what track we're up to here. It's been playing underneath, and this might be Blood is Tape or uh, I Was a Teenage Tape Man. <laughs> I'm not quite sure because I can't hear it, but um, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks again. For being on the show. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, and we look forward Thanks, to um, more stink magnetic releases in the yeah. future. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers.